Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. We are going to talk all about Formula One because it is race week. Can you believe it? Bob Varsha, it seems like the season just ended not long ago. Does it seem that way to you as well? Yeah, and well, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, it's um, it's been a pretty quiet winter other than, you know, the occasional explosions like Lewis going to Ferrari. Other than that, I mean, the driver of silly season was sort of non-existent, which makes it ironic that Lewis now moving to Ferrari in 2025 means we're going to get a whole year of who's going to take Lewis's place and yada, yada, yada. But, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, anytime if you're into racing and there's not racing to have fun with, and yeah, it seems like a long time, but uh, the teams all say they're ready to go, and I certainly am. I'm sure you are too. I am. I am fired up. We got plenty to talk about tonight. We got through with testing this week, and I got to see a good bit of that. How about you, Bob? Did you get to see much of it? No, you know, I'll, I'll offer this caveat. I I really pay no attention to new car introductions because it's not the race car. It's a paint job, and it's new uniforms, and it's you know smoke machines and spotlights and fireworks and an occasional rock band or something like that. And testing is testing. It's pretty unscrutable if you're not there, you know, getting all of the detailed information from each team about each lap. Otherwise, you don't know what fuel loads people are on. They're all trying different tires. They all have different to-do lists. Um, You know, if you've got a brand new car with a lot of bells and whistles and tweaks and very different from what you had before, like Mercedes, for example, um, you know, you just you really have nothing to compare it to because the new car is so different from the old one. Having said that, you know, we can draw some broad conclusions, mainly that Red Bull doesn't care what anybody else is doing. Uh, and they looked pretty darn quick, even though Verstappen was only, I think, fourth on the final lap charts. Um, you know, they seem to be good all around the track. Um, happily, Ferrari and Mercedes look to be closer McLaren in that mix, uh, Haas up off the bottom. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting. Um, there's lots to chew on, but I really didn't pay that much attention. Plus, I was working this weekend, so I didn't have much time to watch television. Well, I did get to – I wasn't, you know, glued to a TV because I was doing mm-hmm. other work, but I definitely got to see a good bit of it. I probably saw each day – I mean, at least an hour of, of each day. So I was paying attention and mm-hmm. – I mean, after day one, everybody was scared to death because it looked like Verstappen and Red Bull were just going to be, you know, yeah. crazy fast and fly off down the road. Yeah, yeah. And it still looks like that. But I think what I want to do to start the show, I think Jonathan Green's going to try to join us. He just got off the microphones as well, Bob. I know you did it at an mm-hmm. auction today. In fact, I see Jonathan, oh, no! I think oh, see Jonathan clicking into the show docs, which means he'll be in shortly. But he was doing Trans Am all weekend. So. I clicked on that and listened to Jonathan and the guys out there a little bit out in Sebring. And I saw Adam Andretti in the car. <laughs> in the opening race that I saw, they uh, Ernie Francis Jr. got taken out on like the first corner. So pl- plenty of excitement going on there. I'm sure Jonathan will get us up to speed. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I think I want to start and just kind of go through some of these. And what I did was I kind of just perused the internet and looked at all the pundits and everybody and what everybody thought. I'm just going to want to start and go what the consensus of the web and everybody is kind of do a quick run from from 10th to 1st of what the um, what it looks like right now. And I completely agree with you. And we all know this. I mean, 
everybody. I think Will Buxton must have said during the coverage about once every 15 minutes when he would talk about what he thought a team was going to do with all the usual caveats of testing, like you just said, fuel, mm-hmm. fuel loads and tires and everything else. But uh, but I think we do have Mr. Green. Let me see. Is he clicked in? Uh, there he is. Yeah, there's Jonathan. How are you, buddy? He may still be getting Hello. His, he may still be getting his audio clicked up, but he's checking his investments as he gets ready for the opening of the markets tomorrow. Jonathan, can you hear us, buddy? I can. Yes. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Are you all settled in after a day on the microphones? Kind of. <laughs> uh well good we'll see how your internet does it looks pretty good but you were cutting out there at the start but we'll check it out and see how it, how it goes but i was just telling bob i was going to kind of walk through starting from 10th on the f1 teams after watching testing and and uh going through what i think is what looks like the consensus on the teams and in 10th place um probably not a big surprise but haas f1 is kind of the consensus in 10th and they did have, however, the most laps, um, mm-hmm. but there was pretty good reliability across the board. I think Williams. Yeah, and that's that's car. critical. Yep, laps sure. are so critical for every new car, um, so it's good. I know Ayo Komatsu posted a uh, here's where we are on the internet, and um, you know he seemed pretty quiet and pretty uh, pretty calm, I should say, after you know it was it just a few weeks ago he said, well, I expect we'll be last again this year, and. You know, all the Haas fans gave a collective, uh, but, um, you know, you can't win the race without finishing it. So the fact that they're getting lots of laps in, they appear, according to Komatsu, to have maybe solved their uh, tire eating problem. So at least they can not only stay in the race, but they can fight longer and harder. So, uh, you know, hope springs eternal. Yeah, and it's yeah. funny. Go ahead, Bob. I mean, go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, I just worry that, that it feels to me like the air has just gone out of the whole uh, impetus for Haas. I, I don't mean to be negative, but it's just like, you know, I mean, Gunter was a big shock, and testing hasn't given us anything to be excited about. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I share Bob's uh, hope that uh, they've sorted out the tire-eating problem, um, but it looks as though it's going to be another sallow year for them. Yeah, yeah, you know, the one thing I will, it is going to be interesting at least to watch how Ayo Komatsu does and how he handles that team differently. You mm-hmm. know, be, being a, you know, a full on technical guy and not really anything else. Uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how he does. Uh, yeah, I, well, the last guy with that kind of resume we had was um, Martina Bonotto at Ferrari. I mean, he was the technical boss, they made him the team principal trying, you know, to keep 17 spinning plates in the air all the time, and it eventually brought him down. So, yeah, it is going to be interesting. Komatsu is going to have to delegate more, um, and I hope he has the resources for it. Did you see the report from a journalist in um, Netherlands, I think, who said he spoke with Gunter Steiner, and Steiner told him that Steiner had located a $20 million or 20 million euro sponsor in return for which he wanted shares in the team. He wanted an equity position in the team, did, did Gunther. And uh, Gene Haas supposedly said no. And that's finally what uh, broke the camel's back for Gunther. I don't know, you know whether it's totally true. Journalists have made up stories in Formula One before. And God knows in every other endeavor in our lives these days. 
But um, that, that is interesting if that was part of the problem, because we had heard that Gunther wanted more investment out of Gene Haas and that Gene was unwilling to do that. But this puts an entirely different spin on it. If Gunther was even more ambitious and had the had the folding green, so to speak, behind him to uh, to buttress his, uh, you know, his demand. You know what, Bob? It's funny you say that. You, I did see that story, and as soon as I saw, mm-hmm. saw it, it reminded me of when moments after the news came out about Gunther being fired, I saw some speculation about that exact thing from some pretty reputable sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually heard them, <laughs> and it was like, you know, it could have been that Gunther was was pushing for ownership. And so yeah. I, I think there's, there, you know, again, that this is the second bit of of uh, smoke, as you put. So there may be some fire to yeah. that story. So yeah, I wouldn't doubt it at all. I mean, look, Gunther, it, it, let's face it. It was kind of Gunther's team. He was his idea and everything else at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't surprise me if he was trying to get some ownership. You know, he's got ownership in that other company in his composites company here in the States. Right. So mm-hmm. and now he's going to be a TV yacker. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Uh, Bob brought up a good point before he came on the air. He said, yeah, he's going to be on television, but I guess he's going to have to change his vernacular a little bit. <laughs> if he's going to be on television, he's not going to be uh, Mr. F-bomb, probably, unless it's cable right. TV over there. Yeah, well, Gunther, we all know, is is smart enough to have sussed that out. He'll be, you know, he'll he'll mind his P's and Q's, or he won't be there long. Yeah. Jonathan, I have chosen as number nine on the list, Sauber Steak. And and that's really just kind of looking around. Actually, you know, looking at these nine, eight, and seven, Sauber, Alpine, and Williams are what I have from the internet. Any comments on that? Or do you figure that the order can be shaken up however you like? In terms of them being ninth, eighth, and seventh? Yeah. I think I think those are the right three teams, and I think Williams, for me, um, deserves the right of being seventh in the championship, and uh, deserves the right to be ahead of both those two teams in terms of potential. Um, I, I, I think that the state team will struggle. It is an identity crisis to a certain extent, um, and you know, uh, same with V Carb or whatever you want to call them, Alvatore. Um, you know, RB, um, by the way, is what the world is calling them now. RB, okay. Uh, rhythm and Blues. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think um, Red Bull Juniors, as they are, or the, the sister team. Um, I mean, you know, they, they showed signs last year of being of, of being really respectable, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, clearly the testing has shown that um, uh, it looks as though our friend Ricardo has found his mojo a little, get, little bit, um, and I, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see them punching above their weight with all three of those teams, but I think Williams has the most plausible chance of of, of doing that. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. What do you think, Bob? Well, I I was just thinking when you mentioned steak, I haven't heard them called that for a long time because steak is an online gambling company that is not permitted to do business in Switzerland, which, of course, is where the team is based at Sauber headquarters in uh, the city of Hinwil. so they can't call themselves steak in Switzerland. So they're going with, um, what is it, Kick? Kick's, what, what's Kick. The, yeah, Kick is the platform yeah. that Steak owns. It's a video platform, I I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's kind and of like a YouTube. Bahrain, 
like mm-hmm. a YouTube that that will because YouTube doesn't allow online gambling stuff I, content. I think so. That's what that's why they formed. Yeah. That's why Stake built Kick, and so that's what they're calling themselves. Kick Stalber, I think, is the official. Yeah. What's that, Jonathan? Yeah, I was about to say, and also we're kicking off in Bahrain, and of course no gambling there. So um, I, uh, you know, first few rounds um, in in the Middle East, they're gonna they're gonna have to go by that kick name. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of that, we are going to have Saturday races for the first two weeks, which Mm -hmm. is interesting, right? I uh, come on, man. Apparently, (laughs) apparently the forced uh, on them. Yeah, Ramadan was what it yeah. fell on that same weekend, so they had to move in Saudi Arabia, but they had to move both races because of the timing right. within a week of each other. So, yeah. all right, guys, There's let's get a, a quick quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue to work our way up to the number one team that we're expecting. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to your Sunday Night with Speed City. Back after this. <clears throat> all right, we're still live on YouTube. Let's see what the boys are doing out there. Got the usual folks. Good evening, gang. Dave Lawrence says, oh, Bob, you'll like this. He says, I know we got F1 testing to talk about, but let's spare five minutes to talk about the epic finish we saw in Atlanta. Bob, what'd you think? Oh, it was awesome stuff. I didn't see that race, but I saw the highlights and everybody jumping up and down and raving about a three wide, literally a photo finish that uh, ultimately was decided in favor of Daniel Suarez. Um, But... um, one of the Penske cars was right in there, and I don't know who the third car was, but it was really exciting because they were three wide all the way through turns three and four, all the way down to the finish. So it was it was epic stuff, and I gather the rest of the race was pretty exciting too. So that's good news for NASCAR after the you know the rain out, if you want to call it that, at Daytona for the 500 a week ago. Um, yeah, that'll uh, that'll keep people buzzing and sell some tickets. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Coming back. Hello to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. You know what, guys? We need to text Gunther. He's going to be on television, but we need to text him and say, look, you can join us anytime and you can do it from your underwear at home. We'll send him the Zoom link. I think I'll <laughs> yeah, I'll text him. I mean, seriously, I, I did text him and he uh, he was when he when he first when the news hit and he was very nice uh-huh. and polite and replied and well, good. Did and, you tell him about the initiation as the new guy? He has to buy dinner. <laughs> I I offered to buy him dinner, Bob, if he comes on our oh, show. Oh man. I'll tell him he can drop softy. He can you know what? He can he can drop all the F bombs that are all pent up. When he's on the air, because he's not going to be able on, on television. Did I, did I miss a dinner that Bob bought? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I don't remember, Bob, but I'll take yes, your word Yes, you did. Hmm. All right, I where were have. we? We had talked about um, 987 being Sauber, Alpine, and Williams. Um, I put RB as sixth. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's reasonable because <laughs> we know nothing. To this uh, yeah. Point. Um, yeah. I mean, who else would you put in there? I mean, because um, Aston Martin, I've got the, at, right ahead of them at fifth. Yeah. 
I think Aston's going to be better this year. I think they're going to move closer to that mid-pack mix with McLaren. And, uh, um, you know, it looks like maybe Ferrari and um, Mercedes have taken that that half step closer to Red Bull. Of course, we won't know till everybody's, um, you know, running in anger um, next weekend. But, um, yeah, I mean, Alpine is good, I guess. Yeah. I I do I do like to watch body language and all that stuff, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about a little bit later. I've, I've watched the body language. Where have you got Alpine then? Of, I was watching the, the body language of uh, Christian Horner all weekend. Alpine, I've got them uh, at eighth. Okay. Yeah, it was Sauber ninth, Alpine eighth, Williams seventh. What do you think? Oh. You think that's uh, a reasonable order, Greeny? Well, I know. I think I, I put Alpine ahead of Williams. To be honest, I put Alpine ahead of of RB. Okay, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As okay. long as you know, we're playing with house money here. So uh, yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, I'm with Bob on this one. I, yeah. I I really don't think RB can. I mean, you know, I I really don't think they're. I mean, Alpine sort of flattered to deceive it depends what's going on in the background in alpine they've had a lot of disruption um but i think the basis of their team and their drivers is strong Mm -hmm. yes i do i think gasly and ocon are a stronger pairing right now than say ricardo and sonoda and you notice helmet uh marco's comment i mean mr subtlety says uh if Ricardo's going to make it to the varsity, meaning be Max Verstappen's teammate with the Red Bull number one team, he's going to have to basically control Yuki Sonoda. He's got to dominate him before they'll move him forward. I thought, really? Yeah, that's classic helmet, isn't it? Yeah, you want to add that tension to the team? Come on, man. I, I tell you what, it just tells me that our, our Jack Crawford's done the right thing, jumping ship to Aston Martin for me. Because, you know, with those kind of comments from Helmut, where, where's Jack going to fit in that? Gosh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, well, where do any of these guys fit in? Except possibly the 17-year-old Italian, Kimi Antonelli, who yeah, has kind of yeah. ripped everything up, two-time European car champion, and then he's been, he won two. Rekha. Yeah, won uh, German and um, Italian f3 series i think and now he's it's going to be an f2 this year with the prima team and everybody's thinking maybe he's too young but apparently the guy is just an ace that's what he races against and we certainly had seen uh you know 17 year olds come in in the past i mean look at verstappen and before him kimi raikkonen i mean guys who were capable at a very very precocious age to uh, you know, handle the whole Formula One scene. Uh, I know nothing about I, I this do. kid Antonelli, but he sounds uh, like the real deal. Yeah, and Bob, I don't know if you'd agree with me, but you, you've done as much time on the bikes as I have. Um, I, I feel that uh, F3, FIA, is a great stepping stone to the big time, but you can mm-hmm. also get caught in the whirlwind of staying there for the rest of your career because it's right. so competitive, uh, it's so expensive, and mm-hmm. very few people make it up to the next level. So yeah. you can, you know, you can be an FIA three for three years and not and be you know top ten, uh, and still not get picked up. Or you can do what Kimmy's done, which is avoid it 
and, and take the next step and, and go from, you know, being spotted as being the next big thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, we're sitting here talking about nine, eight, seven, you know, where Sauber, Alpine, Williams, RBs, even up to six, these are all, you know, they're just, these could easily be completely in a different order, but David brought up on YouTube a really good point, and it's, I have a, a bunch of thoughts about this. He brought up, David says, ah, let's talk about Sauber. I don't know how much longer we can ignore the rumors of Audi that come, keep coming out of Europe popping up way too much to think there isn't some smoke where mm. there's, or fire where there's some smoke because, you know, the, the, the of course, the rumor is is that Audi may be, you know, deciding not to go forward with what they're doing and joining Formula One. And... I mean, it is a, it is a, uh, you know, with the car market, with the global economy slowing because of interest rates and all that, the uh, they're they're under a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty there. And I was just looking at some of the numbers, right? Like the stock price when Audi announced they were joining Formula One, their stock price is at $143. Now it's down to 122, down by almost 15%. And I was thinking about the money. The rumor is that it's because it's not known at this point. The rumor is it's about six hundred and fifty million dollars for seventy-five percent mm -hmm. of that team, right? Well, that's about yeah. ten, that's about ten percent of their market cap. You, you know, on one way you could value the company, right? Now I know they're going to get sponsor money. They can get prize money. They can get money from FIA and F1 and all that. But I mean, there's there just keeps having rumors pop up, and of course, the first thing when I hear that. So I think, okay, if you want to get back out, if you did put in 600 or 650 or whatever it is, what is Andretti going to have to pay? And would this be a smoother path to get into Formula One for Andretti to just buy that same amount of shares? You know, And in fact, if you're Audi, you could even say, hey, I'll make money on the deal. What do y'all think about all that? Well, <clears throat> I don't place too much credence in those rumors uh, there may have been management changes at audi uh and maybe the new guys and girls aren't quite as uh romantically involved with formula one as the people who made the deal is but at the same time audi has not committed um to a large extent to the ev revolution that seems to be running out of gas if you'll pardon the pun right now um and uh they have totally dismantled their customer racing programs in sports cars. So as far as I can tell from the commitments that Audi continues to make, they are still pretty much all in on this project. And they've been very quiet about it. They haven't rushed out there to say, oh, no, no, no. Don't look behind the curtain. There's nothing going on here. We're still in. You know, they're just quietly going about their business, much the way Michael has now decided to do with his Andretti Global operation. You know, we don't have a franchise, but we're going to keep working. And we're going to prove to you somehow uh, that we belong in there. So I don't, you know, I don't buy the uh, Audi is done and out rumors. Mm. So here, I'll throw this one at you, Bob. No, the I, new, I the also new... would ask a question. Go ahead, Greeny. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with Bob. I, I also think given that we are well aware of the uh, jurisprudence that, that uh, Andretti, have, the hoops that they've had to jump through in order to, to bring GM and how it's been elongated. So surely Audi, Audi must have made commitments to Formula One and the process mm -hmm. um, that, that, that we haven't talked too much about for them to have been announced as the 
engine provider and works team um, mm-hmm. that they're going to be. So to pull out now, they must have, have made agreements and um, commitments to Formula One already, so they yeah. would be going back surely on their deal. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. There's, you know, it's just not that easy to come and go as you please, uh, as we've all learned in Formula One. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I can't see them pulling out. So, here is a quote I do want to read both of you guys. The current Audi CEO, uh, Dalner. Gernot Dalner, he um, he said something that I thought was interesting, and, and it was really just the, the way he said it. He said, there is a clear decision from the board of management and supervisory boards of Audi and Volkswagen that Audi will enter Formula One in 2026. This is in December, by the way, just kind of mm-hmm. because trying to extinguish these rumors. And he says, he said, uh, the plan is in place. It wasn't, the only thing that, that struck me about that is that it wasn't terribly enthusiastic it was just basically saying the plan's in place. You know, he didn't really, that's all he said. He didn't go any. Well, that's, you know. that's so German. Yeah. Well, that's true. That we have true. a plan and the we plan, plan is going forward <laughs> as planned. As planned. The plan. Course, you, know, the morning. You, you know, they're coming in as a, as a team, as a factory team, but they are also signed up as an engine supplier. And that's a commitment to make engines available to other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've yeah. got that in mind. Plus, there's a new Concord agreement between the FIA, FOM, and the teams um, to come into effect, uh, I think, in 2025. Um, then, of course, the new rules with new engines in 2026 when Audi plans to to unveil their their first all-Audi Formula One car. And, um, nah, I just, I think that's just, uh, I don't think there's any fire with that smoke. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, we answered David's question. All right. Let's get a quick break in and uh, we'll continue our countdown when we get back. You listen to Sunday Night with Speed City. Back after these. All right. We're live on YouTube. Guys, I got to do a quick local car show thing because I took my Porsche Turbo out Saturday, uh, not Saturday, Thursday. And I literally just said, I'm going to take it for a drive. And I went by this cool. Uh, old classic drive-in burger joint on Barnett Road. And I always look over there because there's always some cool car. And I looked over, and there was a parking lot full of awesome classic European cars. I say classic, 99 and older. So I literally did a quick U-turn and pulled in. And I was like, holy mackerel, this is a really cool car show. And um, it was the guys with group chat. You can find him on uh, on Instagram, and it was really amazing car show. And I was there. I stayed there for almost two hours. I texted my wife. I said, I'm not going to be home for a little while because this is an amazing car show. And all right, all right we're coming back. Well, I'm going to finish this when we come back from the break. Hi, this is Karun Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, during the break, I was talking about a car show that I went to at Top Notch this week, and um, we're, we're showing some video on YouTube. It was really cool. I just want to shout out to all the gearheads that were out there, because that was really, really group chat of the guys that are doing it. 
And, uh, and man, it was huge. I couldn't believe how big it got. It must have been 200 cars there, and they put them in all the different parking lots. And I went back through group chats, um, older posts on Instagram, and at one point they had it earlier this year. In fact, it was right during F1 last year. They had an F1, a Red Bull, an older F Bull, uh, Red Bull F1 car there at one of the car shows. So they were doing it right. Seriously? But it was, but yeah, it was really cool. I was like, holy mackerel. Wow. Can't believe these guys, but... All right, we're counting down what we are expecting. I just kind of did a quick little survey of the internet, and we're now down up to the top five. And I'm going to do the top, let's just say, all right, five and six, I have Aston Martin and McLaren. Aston Martin fifth, McLaren in fourth. And we touched on Aston Martin, And but what do you guys think about Aston Martin at five and McLaren at four? Want to take that one, Jonathan? Yeah, I you know I've got a feeling that McLaren could 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 go higher than that. Um, I I could see them in the top three. I know that's that's quite a revelation to say that, um, but I really do think that McLaren's form at the end of last year. We'll see what the new car does, um, but um, I certainly would have them at four rather than five. Um, in that respect, I do think they will punch above Aston Martin. Though uh, I'd be interested to see. It'll be an interesting battle. I think. Uh, you're, if I'm being totally fair, I think I'm dreaming a little bit, and I think that McLaren will pan out at fourth or fifth, and if it goes well, fourth. Um, but I think they could, if all goes right, perhaps contend for third. Hmm. What do you wow. think, Bob? Well, I think things are going to be quieter at McLaren than at Aston Martin for lots of reasons. Um the consensus in the media seems to be that Fernando Alonso coming to the end of his contract this year is a candidate for a couple of other choice rides, one of them being Lewis Hamilton's empty seat at Mercedes. Um, and Honda's going to come on to be their new engine supplier down the road. So, you know, Mercedes might back away a little bit from the from the cutting edge technology they provide to their customers. I know this is all governed by contract, but still um I, I i just see more opportunity for conflict at uh, aston martin that of course leads to to degraded performance mclaren really seems to be on the up i think they've been a great story the last couple of seasons and um I, lando norris has to be feeling some pressure to go out there and win they've got a great liner a driver lineup between lando norris and oscar piastri so um yeah, I think as long as McLaren can put a good car under their drivers, I think they they will certainly be uh, an uh, an obvious candidate for fourth. And as uh, Jonathan points out, you know maybe for fifth, that Mercedes, who I suspect is your number three team, uh, has a car that has no part untouched from the much uh, uh, you know hated last uh, car last year. So. Um, you know, they're either going to roll the dice and, and come up uh, aces or craps again this year. Um, and it'll be Lewis's last year there. So there'll be some, you know, some changed atmosphere there because of that. Uh, George Russell has to step forward and prove that he's ready to assume the mantle of the team leader and lead driver. So uh, I think you might find McLaren at the end of the day kind of sandwiched between two teams that have some internal turmoil. Um, if that's not, you know, being too dramatic, 
and they could wind up third in the championship. Yep, I agree I with that. I, I, I actually agree with both of you guys. That's why there was a lot of people that had Aston Martin maybe higher than McLaren, but I just I, I just felt like McLaren has more upside potential at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a couple of also things that, that, that play into this top 10, and it's the guys behind the scenes because – I think the, 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 the tectonic plates have moved now with this move of Hamilton to Ferrari. And I think the fallout is yet to be really understood in terms of personnel, potentially behind the scenes. And I'm talking designers, technical staff, etc., who may swap ships, whether it be to Ferrari with Hamilton or whether it be a fallout from what's going on at Red Bull um, and whether that leads to a shift of folk. Um, so I think there might be some movement, um, and that could affect McLaren. It could affect, affect Aston Martin um, in terms of getting more strength, um, and it could weaken the likes of Mercedes potentially um, uh, and Red Bull. So let's see. Mm. You know, and you talked about Bob. You talked about the potential at uh, potential, you know, conflicts at Aston Martin. I, mm -hmm. I watched the first episode of Drive to Survive this Friday night. I think my my wife and I watched it, and uh, they were talking. They were mainly focused on the Aston Martin team, and you know, last year I was really giving um, Lance Stroll a really hard time. Last year, I don't know if you guys recall, but I was like, man, why is he? You know, because he was giving those one word answers and everything. But yeah. I had I'd actually at that point kind of forgotten how he started the year off breaking both wrists, and mm -hmm. really it was, uh, and and they showed the relationship between he and his dad Lawrence, and mm -hmm. now and and I really I was feeling kind of bad actually I was like man I was really giving him a hard time now I don't know if I'm getting hoodwinked by the dramatization of Netflix a little bit, but but it made me look at Lance a little differently. But again, to your point, I think that conflict could easily. You know, and we'll talk about that concept in just a second because as we work our way up. Uh, but yes, I did have Mercedes next in our list because, uh -huh. I, and and I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, F1 did an interview with James Allison, and a nice long interview. It was about ten minutes, and I watched the whole thing, and he looked extremely different from last year, a lot happier, and. I don't know if I would use the word giddy, but he looked really excited. And, and, uh, I think that, that, you know, this could, they could be, uh, have made a move further up. And even though I have them in three, what do you guys think? I was going to say, why don't you believe that they could beat Ferrari? Um, and I, and it's really, this isn't my list as in my opinion. This is really kind of the consensus of where everybody put everybody. Okay. Well, and James is kind of a he's kind of an upbeat guy anyway. And yeah, sure. Last year was was a nightmare for everybody at Mercedes, uh, even though they, you know, they came good toward the end there when Lewis Hamilton proved his medal one more time. Um, but I don't think I, you know, I think they came into last year thinking their old, uh, you know, no side pod design was going to be the, the bee's knees. And, and of course, it wasn't. So, um, you know, fine. I'm, I'm glad that James is feeling good about things. He's a brilliant technician. And, um, and I, I'm sure they'll do just fine. But as, as far as Aston Martin is concerned, um, as I said, I think, you know, Mercedes will 
take a little bit off the edge of the equipment that Aston Martin gets as a customer team with Honda right around the corner. Um, yeah, you got a feel for Lance Stroll. I mean, he's a terrible interview. We all know that. <laughs> he always and has been, and, though. And it, yeah, he always has been. And it's not because he broke his wrists at the beginning of the year. It's because that's who he is. Uh, he doesn't fit the mold of the glamorous, globe-trotting, glib um, Formula One driver, you know, the antithesis of, say, Mario Andretti or Lewis Hamilton. Um, but that doesn't mean he can't put in the lap times. But, you know, he's another one of those guys uh, who's going to have to show, you know, that he can't keep doing winless seasons. You know, he's got to produce if his daddy's team is going to go where daddy wants it to go. Uh, and if they're going to lose Alonzo, who goes into a negotiation period for a new deal, either at Aston Martin or somewhere, um, you know, they're in a tough spot and the pressure is going to be on everybody. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, Lance Stroll cannot keep doing what he's doing, I think is probably the, the best way to put it. Um, so, you know, we'll see what he can produce with two healthy wrists uh, in the new year. But um, I think uh, I think McLaren, although they are another Mercedes customer team, uh, will have the uh, have the opportunity to score against the uh, the mothership, as it were, then Aston Martin will. Andy P. on YouTube says, interesting that everyone has Mercedes so high. They're coming off a major design pivot. I'm not sure how refined it is at this point. They said they're said they one of the best run organizations in the game. Yes, but I, I think, Andy, if you, I know you watched a lot, Andy. I know you. And maybe it's just all this body language. And did you guys see that they have this adjustable front <laughs> suspension? You know, the little yeah. plate on the side of the car where the arms mount. They have this. Uh, where it's it, it's not just a, a little bit, where typically annually, you know, they, you can move it a little bit, but it's a, a major movement. Um, mm -hmm. The plate is really big, where it looks like it would could move like 25% of the mounting location, which to me would make a dramatic difference in the either the, you know, anti-dive, anti-squat, arrow, whatever, all the above, right? So, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Well, it just makes it that much easier for them to modify the suspension from track to track as needed. Um, you know, it, it's not going to modify, you know, during a race weekend, they're not going to be moving the suspension, you know, trailing upper wishbone, I think it is, at the at the front. Um, you know, you can't change it once you've gone into the park for May. But, um, but you know, it's another way to uh, make quick and easy changes in the uh, setup process and, you know, maybe it becomes a regular thing. Mm. Um, or, or maybe they get protested. We'll see. There's kind of an inverse relationship between how well it works and how pissed off it makes everybody else, and then we all get <laughs> <in> court. <laughs> yeah. Man, I saw the headline, and I immediately thought of the uh, the, the variable, uh, what was it, the yaw, the DOS, dual-axis steering that Mercedes is like, what yeah, have they done? But remember it, that? Obviously right? nothing that dramatic. A couple of good comments yeah. on YouTube. The F-duct. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. David Lawrence. David, uh, maybe David's having a drink on Sunday night here because he says, uh, party like it's 2012. Seven different winners this season? <laughs> I'm thinking maybe. 
But I think he did say somewhere in here, maybe a win for a couple of wins for one each for Lando and Oscar Piastri. Uh, and and also maybe one for uh, for Lewis Hamilton this year. Who knows? I I could I could get in uh, I could get on board with those. Kevin Kelly nice. Kevin Kelly has a funny comment. He says Haas was sandbagging <laughs> at the back of the grid. <laughs> I, I would say one thing. I, the, the difference between Ferrari and Mercedes is the motivation for me. I don't think that Lewis, given that his his future is assured. Uh, at the big red factory, um, his motivation will be just as strong to go out with his fam, to go out on a high with the family, to work with George Russell, and mm-hmm. to and to get get the best result possible. Carlos Sainz, on the other hand, I, I I really don't see him working well with Ferrari now that they're basically asking him. Hmm. It'll be interesting to watch how Sainz and Hamilton perform vis-a-vis each other. And whether that sparks, um, you know, turmoil in the pit lane, since their futures, at least Hamilton's side of the equation, is already decided. He's going to take Science's seat. Science is, at least, you know, arguably a candidate for Lewis's seat. And we'll yeah. see where it goes. And did you guys see that we that Ferrari had more drain cover problems in testing? They're probably going. Uh, what is the deal? Why are we so snake bit? And well, everybody had it. It's like the seventh time in recent Formula One history we've had drain cover issues. And not just Vegas last year, where uh, Ferrari was was you know victimized by the whole thing. Um, but yeah, what do they, they need drains for? There's no rain in Bahrain. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Good point. <laughs> yeah, I saw a detailed analysis of how they fasten these things down, and the Europeans do it in a way that the uh, the, the folks in Bahrain don't want to do, so they're going to try to do it the American way with screws instead of cement and yada, yada, yada. I mean, come on, guys. Well, who hey, the folks uh, from Tilka who designed this track? Yeah. Casey, our producer, was showing a photo there of Adrian Newey. Did you guys see this? Because the Checo Perez sucked that drain up against the bottom of his car, and, mm-hmm. and Adrian Newey uh, laying on the ground underneath the car... And I thought that was a cool shot. And I was like, that you, you gotta you gotta love him for getting under the car and checking that out. I thought that I was I think cool. it's just falling yeah. over that, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> no, Jonathan. I would caption the photograph. Here's Adrian. I mean, it was Adrian Newey under the car, you said, but not Christopher uh, Christian Horner. No, no, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> Christian apparently is good at plugging holes. Uh, all right. Oh, on that note, oh, on, Bob, dude. Sunday night. Uh, nice work. <laughs> on that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about Red Bull and Ferrari, our last two on our list. You're listening to your Sunday night with Speed City back after these messages. <laughs> that was good, that was Bob. Good. <laughs> that was good. In case you uh, didn't have to bleep me this time, bleep that one. No, that gets you get away with that. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah, I, I had one today. We had the we had the NASCAR out on track, the original '85 Hooters car, and and my co-commentator said, "God, who who drove that car, the Hooters car?" And I said, "Didn't they have a pair of drivers?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, I saw you guys had a big crowd on YouTube, Jonathan. I tuned in for I tuned in for the beginning of yeah. the race, where Ernie Francis Jr. got taken out on the first corner. Yeah. Classic. Who are the huh? winners. 
Who, who won? Um, we had uh, Paul Menard won in TA, and he's going to wow. do the whole whole season. Uh-huh. Um, and TA two. Oh my God, I can't even remember. That was two days that, ago. That, that, <laughs> the new kid, Zillich, Tillich. Village one, yeah. Village yeah. one. Um, but uh, Brent Cruz, our current champion, was ill with mono. So he'll uh. be back. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Bob, your comment got four laughing faces from Bob Renwick on YouTube, <laughs> and actually s- several from other people as well. Disgusting <laughs> act, and it's unfortunate <laughs> that we had that on our air live. <laughs> yeah, well, too, too bad, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're down to our last two, and I the and, and this is not my list. This is the kind of what I consensus where Ferrari second and Red Bull first. And any arguments with that, boys? I can't see Red Bull winning another race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that comment will age well, I'm sure. Well, at least you know the um, you know there's been all sorts of analyses as our our colleagues in the in the formula one commentary business go out there and find something to write about um but apparently ferrari looked quite good they were on a slightly softer tire uh than the um than the red bulls were but uh but they were quick and they were quick in the corners which is typically a red bull strong point so i think that's probably a good thing i thought it was unusual that uh, two teams McLaren and who's the other one? Might have been Alpine. Selected no Pirelli red stripe softest compounds because they figured that those aren't even going to come into play in the race. It's going to be all. I think the C3 compound is going to be the soft tire, and the two and the one will be the medium and hard respectively. But um, they are they are close. Ferrari and uh, and Red Bull are close and. You know, as we've said so many times before, there's going to be a lot of pressure for anybody at Ferrari to win, whether it's Sainz or uh, or Charles Leclerc. Um, but poor old Sergio Perez, you know, I think the handwriting's on the wall. He has got to produce um, and clean up after uh, Mr. Verstappen. Uh, hopefully it'll be a, a worthy battle all season long. Uh, any thoughts on Ferrari, Jonathan, before we move on to Red Bull? Lots to talk about with Red Bull, by the way, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you know, having said that that uh, Carlos Sainz um, won't be motivated, I, I guess I could reshape that or rethink that, actually, and think, you know what? He's got to put himself in the shop window. He's too young yeah. to give up. Um, and Hamilton's seat does await. Um, if he can take it to Charles and, and take it to any of those top six uh, drivers uh, at any time uh, and get another win as he did last year, um, but, but, and, sorry, get um, a win, mm-hmm. um, and maybe a few wins. He, he need, I think he needs three, three strong wins uh, on merit uh, for him to be in the shop window properly for the next yeah. year's drive. Yeah, I agree with that. We all know contract years are usually when pro athletes turn in their best performances. It is. And, uh, yep. and, and he knows he's not coming back to Ferrari. So as you say, he's got to put himself in the window. And, and retirement uh, is out of the question, especially with his dad sure. still wherever sure. he races. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, he can't retire before his dad. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Good point. Carlos Senior yeah. is still winning. Yeah, and uh, Senior's uh, Extreme E team is winning too. So, uh, yeah, science has got to get out there and, and and do good things. But after that that victory in Singapore last year, I was so impressed by that. And yeah. So impressed as we've gone on and on about the fact that science is not afraid to stand up for himself. He knows what he wants in the car. And so he needs to be in a situation where he can tell people what he wants and get it done, which are two very different things in Formula One, as we know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting times at Ferrari because, you know, the clock is always ticking. Mm, yeah. And Fred Vasseur yeah. said that was one of the hardest conversations you had was to tell Carlos Sainz that he was being replaced. I guess it makes it a little easier when you're being replaced by a seven-time world champion, but still tough conversation. All right, let's talk Red Bull. Everybody's consensus that they're number one, and I was watching Ted Kravitz today, and uh, he has a, a team, unlike we do, a team of people that do all the calculations, Bob, that you were talking about, mm -hmm. fuel loads and tires versus right. – you know, hard versus soft, depending on, you know, all this lap times. Yeah, exactly. These calculated lap times. And he said that it looks like Red Bull is going to be at least three tenths faster and and maybe as much as eight tenths or more faster than than Ferrari, the second best team. So if that is true, that does not bode well for the rest of the grid. Well, doesn't guarantee wins, though. You know, you've got to get out there and drive the car. And one of those drivers is Max Verstappen. The other one, Sergio Perez, who has not covered himself with glory uh, in recent seasons. So, um, you know, let, let's wait until the money is on the table and see who produces. I, th I think Red Bull's going through an interesting time because I do not believe this, the, the, this Christian Horner, you know, we already said the expression smoke without fire. Um, something's not right. Something is not right for this story stroke behind the scenes, end of season, preseason stuff be going on. And uh, we've been looking for a chink in the armor. And if I were sitting at Mercedes tonight or I were sitting at Ferrari, I'd be I'd be I'd be quietly thinking to myself that the, the, the chink in the armor that we've been looking for is the leadership chink. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had rumors about Helmut Marco and Christian not getting on. I don't think Jos Verstappen and Christian get on. Um, I, I, and okay, maybe I'm I'm reading too much into it. They won 23 races. You know, they won right. all but one race last year. But but you know, if, if you're looking for disruption, you found it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. This is not a performance issue. And, of course, everybody out there, I hope, knows what we're talking about are the allegations that Christian Horner um, coerced an employee into uh, inappropriate, even sexual activity. Um, and what really struck me was the, the announcement today that Ford Motor Company, their upcoming yeah. engine provider in 2026, has sent a letter saying, hey, you're not being transparent with us about what's going on with this Horner investigation. And having said that, You've got a third-party independent lawyer out there doing the investigation. He's been interviewing people for eight hours a day, day after day after day. I mean, how how much evidence do you need? And Bob, and, that, and that, if that you Ford like, story, that's, that's, the... that, that's twofold because 
it came out today that, as we see on the screens for the YouTube and Facebook, is that Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, mm-hmm. came out and was pretty. Um, he he was frustrated and and was saying he was pissed off. Yeah, I think, and he was saying he demands an urgent resolution to this investigation, right. and and he also reminded them that they had asked for. Um, some resolution, some something to happen 11 days ago, apparently was in his quote. He said, 11 days mm-hmm. ago, we've asked and we've heard nothing. And so this is <laughs> this is now two requests from Ford for clarification. I'm like, hey, guys, what's going on here? And it makes me, you know, <laughs> is, is Ford getting cold feet, you know, or are they just being? No, I think they're just asserting their, their, oh, their own interests, you know, yeah. hey. You know, you're not the only guy with something on the line here. If you want to put a family-owned company with a success history of Ford Motor Company on the side of your race car, you know, there's a certain way you have to behave. And, you know, maybe we don't know who did what or who said what to whom, but we there's no transparency. That was the word that Jim that uh, that Ford used. Mm-hmm. Transparency. Tell us what's going on. Even if we can't get a les- resolution right away, which would be ideal, tell us what's happening and, uh, you know, quit screwing around. For a company this size, it is a complete PR disaster. There's no question. Yeah. Instead of rolling into the 2024 season on the high of winning everything last year and being the most successful team of all time, they come in with question marks about the man who led them there. And nobody is is kind of fessing up as to um, who brought this, who 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 wants mm-hmm. to make this public, because I've been saying all along, a simple phone call, sexual problems, or you know, um, in in house situations like this happen all the time in corporates, but they're dealt with by the corporation, and people of heads will roll, and if complaints are heard by HR. Uh, and and people are found guilty of said quotes, then so be it. But it it never needed to be public. And so I just feel that there's somebody out to oust uh, Christian Horner, and I don't know who it is. I'm not pretending I do. Um, It's not the way to start the season or the launch of the car. I just hope we get this thing out this week. I hope they come up. I hope they finish it this week because I don't want to have this hanging over the season. It's not good for the sport. Absolutely not. And Ford's not saying, let's make everything public. They're just saying, tell us yeah. who mm-hmm. are yeah. you know investing hundreds of millions of dollars in your program, tell us what's happening. What are we buying into? We have and they're in the conversation know. by proxy. Yeah. 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 Jim Fields wants to know. He's no he's no slouch. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, guys, we are almost we're almost out of time. I wanted to talk about uh, we got our coverage starting. Chris Medlin is over in Bahrain getting ready, uh, getting his microphone ready. In fact, Chris and I'll be we're starting up the wheel to wheel show. And if you can go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, you can find or follow our social media even better. You can find out here to hear, where to hear wheel to wheel. That's going to air this Wednesday, our first show of the season. And we'll be, of course, Bob Varsha, myself, Jonathan Green, and Chris Medlin will all be fired up and ready for this Saturday because we have a Saturday start to the season, the first two races. So in Bahrain this Saturday, so we'll be live on the air. So uh, one hour before the race, so check your time zones. I think it's 9 o'clock Central, 8 Central. is That's our start time, Casey? Yeah, that's our start time because the race is an hour later, so... 
But thanks, everybody, for tuning in to your Sunday night with Speed City, and we'll talk to you this weekend. Happy trails.